I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. Well, it's the uh, Organic Gardener on KDKA Radio. Doug uh, is nowhere to be found. Little, uh, Well, he's enjoying the day, so that's a good thing. But he'll be back with us the next week. But Jessica is here, and we really want to get right to the phones because this is a weekend that all of you pretty much have that extra day. And if you're not out, obviously, spending some time with the family, you're out in the garden or maybe visiting a cemetery because of the significance of this weekend. And you're, you're doing things, okay? And you're thinking planning, you're thinking gardening and you're thinking the outdoors. So we'd love to get to all of your questions questions as soon as possible. Number is 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Instant Access, kdkradio.com. And you can text us on the Red Automotive Line, best deal in town. I do want to remind everyone, though, we're going to give a gift certificate away right now if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. And that's for the good folks at Sorgles. And if you're going to be doing any purchasing this weekend, I hope you'll get out to people like Sorgles and Janoskis and all of the people that support this program because without them, we wouldn't be here. So we're very grateful for their support. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is. She's an award-winning author. She is a speaker who has spoke across this country. And of course, she continues to do some of the best stuff anywhere at the Tribune Review. Let's say good morning to Jessica Wallace. You think that was enough to start the show? I think that was quite enough. I was trying to figure, how do I stop this and just get to (laughs) Jessica? Anyway, um, it's great to have you back and a lot to get to today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. And I think What's on the mind of most gardeners and probably even non-gardeners right now in our part of Western Pennsylvania are the cicadas. They are here. I posted about them on my Facebook page last week, and uh, it's been shared and shared and shared several hundred times uh, just to let people know that they were coming and now they're here and they're going to be for probably another five weeks or so. Uh, it's a little intimidating because they're pretty large insects and we might see them every now and then. But this particular brood, uh, which is brood eight of this particular species of cicada, they have a 17 year life cycle, which means that they spend 17 years underground Uh, as a larva feeding on the sap from tree roots, and they don't really cause any significant damage to to tree roots at all. They're just part of that ecosystem in the soil. And then in 17 years, it's the right time, and they pupate into an adult. And I've been seeing pictures on social media. I've been hearing from people and getting emails. Uh, They're sending me pictures of just all of the cicada shells, the exoskeletons that they've pupated just all over their trees. It seems to me Beaver County... Is, is sort of the hotbed as far as I can tell because all my friends in, in Beaver County have been sharing pictures of just the cicada casings on their, their trees and their fences and then, of course, the pictures of the adults as well and the, the humming, the buzzing that they make during the daytime has started. So that's going to get a little bit louder over the coming weeks. 
Um, people get a little bugged out about them. Uh, they're nothing to worry about, though, really. They don't have a mouth part. They're not going to bite you. They're not going to attack you. They're not going to eat your plants. They don't eat in the adult stage at all. They're only there for, you know, they only live for a couple of days just to mate, and that's it. But the adult females will lay eggs in branch tips, especially of young trees. And so they can cause a little bit of branch tip dieback, which on a large established tree is not a big deal. But on a young new tree, it can cause significant damage. So uh, it won't kill the tree, but you'll have some branch dieback. And on a young tree that, you know, that can really affect it long term. So you might want to just put some row cover, which is just a lightweight translucent fabric, or even go to the fabric store and get some tool. Uh, and put that kind of netting around those really young trees to protect them for the next couple of weeks until this cicada life cycle uh, is over. So that, the big lesson is don't worry about them. They're, they are intimidating, but they're not going to hurt you in any way. Just kind of like a recasting for the next Alien movie, basically. A little bit, a little bit, except they're not. I mean, that's the thing, right? They look like they're out of a sci-fi movie, but there's something that has been here far longer than we humans have. So, And we'll be here a lot longer. Amen after. to that. Yep. <laughs> All right. But you know what? Now, see, I, this is kind of like I don't have any stink bugs, and then I go home and have stink bugs. Yeah. My neighbor says to me, as I'm unloading groceries the other day, those cicadas, we don't have any. You know, mm. I went, yeah, I I mean, I, nothing. Do you not have, not, do you have a lot of large trees in your neighborhood? No, no. Yeah, so what happens is because it's a 17-year life cycle, they tend to emerge from areas around large trees because 17 years ago, that's where the females laid their eggs in the branch tips of those trees. And so then the larvae hatch, they drop to the ground and they burrow down into the ground and then they live on that tree's roots. So when they come out 17 years later, they tend to come out from the drip line of a large established tree like that. So if you don't have a lot of large trees in your neighborhood, you're not gonna see many of them coming up out of the ground. But certainly if you do, and that's where I'm noticing it, them at my house is along the fence line, right on the woods edge or around a big tree, that's where they are. All right, so good bug, bad bug. You're world renowned for your insect and bug knowledge. You say all of these little creatures and I've learned to be nice to them. I don't step on them. I don't get rid of them. A cicada, I'm not throwing them down the toilet anymore. I'm really trying to do the right thing, okay? Good. Um, do they have any good purpose, cicadas at all? You know, the incredible part about them is if this will be a banner year for birds uh, and lots of other wildlife. The toads eat them. The snakes will eat them. I've even We've even seen the squirrels in our yard eating them. The chipmunks will eat them. So it's a great kind of... Um, it's a food source for all these animals. They're just part of the food chain. And so in years like this, I mean, that's one of the reasons Doug went fishing today because they can use, they have lures that look like cicadas. And from the moment they hit the water, boom, there's a fish biting on them because it's like all of the animals know that this is, or as soon as they start hatching, they know that it's going to be a good year for these insects. So and the chickens are loving them at my house. We see the birds up, the crows. There's been a pileated woodpecker on our uh, tulip poplar every morning, hopping around the trunk of the tree, picking off the cicadas and eating them. So there are going to be a lot of bloated birds out there. So the best thing to do is to get a neon sign for the backyard that says all night cicada buffet. Right. <laughs> right. I right. mean, so you could be like, hey, 
and then it's over. I mean, that quick. Really? Yeah, it's about six weeks or so that they're, and they'll, they don't all come out at once. They don't all emerge at once. It's sort of a rolling emergence. But it really is amazing when you think about it, like 17 years and boom, here they're like, how do they know it's 17 years, right? And there's different broods all across the, the region, um, the eastern United States. And so this brood is this year. And then there's another brood that might be a little bit just a couple hundred miles west or a couple hundred miles east that will emerge on a di- at a different year. And it's really interesting, the species, how these broods have sort of uh, set up in regions and areas like this. The buzzing is the wings. What is that? Yeah. So they, they sort of vibrate their abdomen and their wings and it's basically a mating call. Yeah. So it's like a loud, I'm actually curious as to what note it is. I want to do a little research to hear because like a bumblebee, when they vibrate their flight muscles to do um, what they call buzz pollination. So when they're pollinating like a blueberry flower and they make a buzz and it knocks the pollen loose, it's actually at a perfect middle C. So like it's mute. So I wonder what the cicada note is. I'll have to like play on the piano to try to find the perfect match. Between you, Ashley and uh, Melinda, there's a lot of brain power in here. <laughs> I don't know how I'm here, but I'm here anyway. Good stuff, man. That's really interesting. All right, eight six six three nine one ten twenty. All of our lines are busy right now, but if you want to reach us, you can send Jessica a message at dollarbankinsonaccesskdkradio.com. And congratulations to Jan from Pittsburgh, winner of that wonderful gift certificate from Randy and Company at Sorgles in Wexford. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, Jessica's here today. Doug's gone fishing. He'll be back next week. Uh, let's get right to the phones and say hi to Kay in the North Hills. Hey, Kay, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Jessica. I have a bug question. Okay. We have a cedar shed, and we are noticing that something is I think they're, we used to call them wood wasps. They would be around the barn. They're making holes into the shed. Do you know what we can do to stop that? Are they, are they perfectly round holes? They're perfectly round. I can put my little finger right. They didn't yeah. go all the way through. Right, right. So that's, it's probably a carpenter bee. Okay. Yep, and it's exact, exactly the right size, just sort of like the diameter of your pinky finger, and it's a perfectly round hole. And what the, the female uh, bees are doing is they're drilling a hole up in there, and then they kind of go up, and then they go out. And in those outs is where they build chambers, and then they lay their eggs in there. So the, the thing about carpenter bees that's interesting, I, I think it's all interesting, but uh, is the holes that they create and their larvae themselves, they don't, they pack, they put nectar in there. So the larvae themselves don't eat the wood. They eat like a nectar and a pollen ball. So they're not actually eating the wood. The trouble is when the woodpeckers hear them in there and they start pecking holes in your shed. That's where the most of the damage occurs. So in the future, if you want to prevent those carpenter bees from setting up shop, it's real easy to just go to the hardware store and get a piece of window screening. Um, You know, like you would use to replace a screen in a window. You can buy it on a roll and just put it up there temporarily in the spring for a couple of weeks. I just use a staple gun and just temporarily staple it to the area. And then you can usually take it down just about four weeks where they'll be doing it. And then you can, and they can't chew through that. And then they won't, you know, they won't make a nest in there or they won't make a little brood chamber in there. But I mean, they're a native bee and they're a wonderful pollinator. We need them to pollinate a lot of our flowers and plants like blueberries. Um, So we don't want to kill them, but you obviously want to, you know, protect the wood on your shed. So that's an easy way to do it. 
Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, let's keep it going. Let's go to Beaver and say hi to Donna. You're on the Organic Gardeners with Jessica Wallace or KDK Radio. How you doing? I'm well. Good morning. I called a while ago and got advice on putting in my new beds at new construction. And it's tedious, but I found the leaf mold. So but thank you for that. Good. You're welcome. Um, my question is phlox beetle. I have two questions, phlox beetle and pokeweed. So what, can, what do you recommend to try to get rid of the phlox beetle? Okay, so phlox as in the flower? Yes. I'm H- sorry, yes. Okay, so describe what, what that looks like and what issue you're having with it. Well, it, it um, makes the leaf turn black. You can see the beetle full grown. They're about the size of a small lightning bug, I guess. Okay, and what color are they? Black. Okay. So I have never heard of a phlox beetle before. So okay. I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what pest you're talking about. So they're the size of a lightning bug. And are they shiny black or are they matte black? Shiny black. And are they elongated like a, like, or are they more round like a ladybug? More elongated. More elongated. Okay. Hmm, I've never had a problem with them on my... F- and are they only on your flocks, or are they... Yes. You only- know what I'll do? I'll take a picture and try to post it to you. Yeah, there you go. Send me a picture, and I'll take a look at it. It's not It's not like a common name I've heard used before. And as you're describing it, I mean, like the, the way you're describing the damage almost sounds like it might be a four-lined plant bug, but they certainly are not black. They're oh. kind of like an electric green and black stripe. So they're real distinctive. Um, What's that called? That was a four-lined plant bug. Okay. Yeah, and they can cause damage that looks, it starts out as little pock marks, but then it can, it can damage new growth. I, I've never seen them on flocks though, and I have a lot of flocks, and I have a lot of four-lined right. plant bugs. I've never seen them on that. So I want to find out for you what uh, what particular species of beetle that is before I would tell you how to how to manage it. Okay, and then the pokeweed. Yes. Um, there's one area on this property. I have over an acre of lawn and beds, and there's one area, and there's at least a hundred pokeweeds. And I don't know. Maybe I'm calling it the wrong name. They're the kind that get four feet tall and get the berries on them. Yeah, sort of like long draping panicles of berries. Yes. yes, and when you when I first start noticing them after the new lawn was put in, I dug down mm-hmm. and I think, well, you know, four or five inches. Well, some of these roots yep. are a foot, <laughs> two feet long. Yeah, yeah, they have and really they like deep taproots. They look like you're digging up carrots. Exactly. <laughs> they have very deep, long, strong taproots, uh, like like a dandelion on steroids almost. Um, and yeah. honestly, the easiest way and best way to get rid of them is to dig. And yeah, you do have to dig deeply, but it's really the only way to ensure that you're going to get all of those roots out. Um, I would do it early in the season and then just return to that bed maybe on a weekly basis and see if you have new sprouts coming up because you'll want to make sure that you dig those out as soon as you have new ones coming up. Right, they're ever, and then I, I think it's probably good. I'm leaving them lay on a tarp in the driveway to dry up before I throw them away because I wouldn't want to infest anybody else with these. Right, things. and that's a good way. That's a good way to do it. You just leave it out with the, you know, you don't want that's exactly. And you certainly don't want to put them on the compost pile because they'll root and do quite lovely in the compost pile too.
All right, coming back, we've got more of your calls, plus a gift certificate giveaway coming up from Janoski's, and even some Dollar Bank instant access messages this Memorial Day weekend. A couple of minutes away from the news with Melinda, bottom of the hour. And then next hour, it's Joe and Frank Dentici. The Coons Cooking are all about Memorial Day. Then Heffron Tillerson's Your Money and You. And then a very busy couple of hours on the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show. Everything from the Pirates and Dodgers to, yes, the NBA, the NHL playoffs, some NFL news, some PGA golf news today. Charles Schwab Challenge and your leader, Kevin Na, by two strokes, heading into the final round at the Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. So we'll get to all of that today. I hope you'll stay with us right through 1 o'clock right here at KDK Radio at 727. And in just a couple of minutes, Melinda Roder back with live and local news at KDKA Radio. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, so real quick, I'm out Janoski's the other day. Patty and all of the great workers doing all their things, setting things up for the weekend. Tractors going back and forth, you know, seeds being carried from one barn to the next, separating produce, putting fresh produce out. It's really amazing if you just step back. And I've learned to do this because you and Doug, and I've known the Janoskis for 30 years, but every time I go there now, usually every Friday to do some video work, I see things that I maybe never noticed before because of you and Doug. And it's a, it's, it's a fact. A lot of moving parts at, at a place like that and mm-hmm. Sorgles and all of our sponsors. And now every person has a purpose. Every job has a reason. And there's a spot for every piece of product, no matter what it might be, from a green pepper to a red pepper. So it's uh, it's pretty special to watch all that. It is. And, you know, all good businesses are that way, right? It's a it's a, a compilation of a bunch of different people, like an orchestra, right? Everybody yeah. plays their part yeah. to make a, a make a successful business. and. Every now and then you get a, you know, clunky, terrible, out-of-tune instrument in there and something has to change, right? But uh, for the most part, it's a bunch of amazing working parts coming together. I'm learning, but the, the old Rob would have grabbed a handful of grapes, but now I want to go across the street at the restaurant and get a meatloaf sandwich. So <laughs> I got to kind of learn to like, you know, balance that out a little bit. But anyway, listen, we're going to take 10th caller right now. That person's going to win a gift certificate from Janoski's. Just such a great place as all of our sponsors are. 412-922-1020. Anything you, oh, I have a dollar bank instant access. Let me get to this. Anything you want to add before I do this? Nope. Okay, um, I have approximately 60 Siberian iris tubers. Mm-hmm. Only about 12 of them bloom this May. What could be wrong and should I dig them up? Yeah, I would say if you're if you're seeing with something like that, uh, iris in particular, and that's a clump forming iris, if you're seeing reduced flowering or flowering only on the outer edge of the clump, that's a sure sign that that plant needs to be divided. And for Siberian iris in particular, it's really every about four or five years that they ought to be divided. Sometimes you'll see sort of a, a hollow center in the clump so all of the plants and leaves will be towards the outside and then it'll be hollow in the middle and that's another sign that that the plant needs to be divided so reduced flowering like that with a per, almost any perennial you got to get in there and divide them all right here we go to uh joanne and whitehall up next for jessica walliser hey joanne hi i want to find out about rhododendron i know at one time you said you have to keep them trimmed so they don't get too large when does that happen yep okay so rhododendrons are best pruned immediately after they flower. Okay. Yep. Now, they've been flowering. Do you cut off the blossoms um, that are dead? So it's, Sure. It's up to you. A lot of people do. Uh, that's called deadheading, which is removing the spent flowers from a plant. And a lot of people do do that with rhododendrons because what happens when you 
kind of, and you, it actually breaks off really easily. And when you kind of break that flower stem off, you're opening up space for new branches to develop. Um, that's not technically pruning the plant. That's deadheading. Pruning is different. That's when you're actually taking stem growth and leaf growth off of the plant. Um, so they're two different things, but they can be done simultaneously. So you can deadhead and also prune the plant a little at the same time. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you for the call. Let's go now to Marianne Slippery Rock. Hi, Marianne. Hi. Hello? Yes, good morning. What's uh, on your mind? Hi. Um, I was wondering if you could recommend the best cover crops for a heavy clay soil, and some of it's a little bit low-lying, so, you know, it stays kind of wet after heavy rain. Sure. So, uh, and this is a vegetable growing area? Yeah, it just needs organic matter built sure. up in it. Sure. And so you're going to do this in the fall, or are you going to let it sit fallow and over the summer? Well, uh, both. Uh, friends are letting me use an end of their garden, and I've always wanted to just experiment, so I thought instead of trying to grow vegetables, I'd rather just play with, even start now, playing with cover crops, maybe grow some up, cut them back, see if they regrow, you know, and then do the fall thing. Sure. Wintering, too, but I didn't know what, you know, could... Uh, what was best to put in the heavy wet soil. Right. So this time of year, actually, if you're going to do a, a summer cover crop, um, uh-huh. and it'll be quick, but it'll be good, I would um, do buckwheat, okay. which I think is really wonderful. Um, you have to make sure that you cut it down before the flowers turn to seed. And that's okay. really important because if you don't, you will have buckwheat in that area forever and ever. So that's one of the most important things when using a cover crop, and that's whether it's a spring one, a summer one, or a fall one. You always wanna make sure you cut it down before it sets seed. So I would do a buckwheat as a summer cover crop, and then later on in the season, we get toward, and then you can cut it down, and you can just lay the cut, let the cuttings lay on the soil, or you can till them in. Uh, And then in the fall, uh, I would actually do um, like a winter rye, which you can get seeds for that at the seed store or from an online source, uh, which is not the same as lawn rye, which is a different species of grass. You want winter rye, which is a grain, and that is sown in the fall, and, um, and then you cut it, mow it down the following spring and turn it under, or mow it down and just leave the clippings lie, and that then forms a mulch for that for the coming year. And then you can plant right through that. So when when you mow it down in the spring, it won't regrow. It will or it won't regrow. Well, you have to time it just right, and that's okay. the important thing with rye is you you time the mowing right when the the flower heads start to develop. Oh, and okay. that's when you time your mowing, and when that happens, then you don't get a regrowth. If you do it too early, okay. it's going to sprout again. If Got you do it too late, then you end up with seeds coming up all in the garden. So when the flower heads start to what? When the flower heads start to develop. That's oh, when you okay. want to do your mowing. Okay. Okay. Great. Do, and are there any plants that, if you have extra room, like in your yard or something, to plant just for mulch? Yeah, like a living mulch. Or well, a mulch that you could cut down and then bring over and put into your garden paths or something. You know, put into your garden. Yeah, I mean, you can do that with oats. Uh, oats are lovely. They're fast growing and they're not winter hardy. So okay. um, you can grow those and then they're actually be killed by the winter. But then you can let the debris sort of lay on the surface of the soil and that will form mulch. You could also rake it up and then move it over to another area of a garden. Oh, okay. You know, you can do right. that as well. 
Okay. okay. Thanks, Thank Marianne. So okay, oh. bye. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to take a very short break. Come back, take more calls with Jessica. It's 866-391-1020. Uh, and we have some lines open for the first time in about a half hour. And you can also reach us at Dollar Bank and Synaxis, kdkradio.com. Memorial Day, we salute it. Coming up next hour on the Coons Cooking Hour with Joe and Frank TC KDK Radio. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. And it's time for our Mrs. Know-It-All. Denise Schreiber is a horticulturist, author, and all-around garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How are you? (laughs) Good morning. It's not raining right now. Well, I was just going to say, for now, I think there's going to be some storms later, but we'll be running between the raindrops. Yeah. So the lady that called in about um, pruning her rhododendron, um, questions like that make me cringe this time of year because I see people get out with the hedge clippers Mm. and they just start trimming everything into green meatballs or green boxes. So when uh, you're doing like rhododendrons and azaleas, if they're getting too large uh, and you want to reduce the height or you want to just keep it right where it is, it's easier uh, to actually find your tallest stems and follow them down to the inside of the plant and prune it out there. That way you still retain the natural shape of the plant. You don't destroy next year's flowers. And at the same time, you're still keeping the plant where you want to be. On the other hand, don't plant a rhododendron underneath your front window. If you think it's going to get too big, put it somewhere else. Yeah, or choose a compact variety. And there's certainly plenty of those out there as well. And that's actually excellent advice, Denise, because... You know, people do, when we talk about pruning, they do automatically think that means shearing, uh, and it doesn't. Have have you seen forsythia? Uh, Yeah. And I know some people use it as a hedge around their property, but I've seen it trimmed that it's just square. And it's like, you know, it's a beautiful weeping plant. You know, there are smaller varieties. Um, And, you know, like a lilac, you can just simply take out uh, the oldest uh, growth you know, like a third of the plant, and still keep the shape, keep the flowers, and it'll look great the following year instead of looking like some crazed person, like, uh, what was the movie, Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> right, like a make a topiary out of it. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, pruning is definitely an art form, and it's something that requires a lot of patience, and I think people are in such a hurry to get yard work done, uh, to go on with other things, but really, when you go out to do pruning, you really should be thoughtful about every cut, and really step back, and look at the plant, and make your choices very judiciously, rather than just going out with a hedge clipper and, and chopping them off. That's an excellent and valuable lesson, Denise, and thank you as always, for your excellent advice. All right, here is Jim up next from O'Hara Township for Jessica. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Uh, good. Uh, in regards to rhododendrons again, mm-hmm. um, my rhododendron, one of them has lost a lot of leaves. It looks like it's dying. Is there anything I could do to bring it back? Uh, has this rhododendron been around for a while, or was it a new planting? No, it's been around for probably 20 years or more. Okay, and uh, is it the new leaves are that are falling off, or is it the older leaves towards the inside of the bush? Uh, it's pretty bare. You know, it's, it's blooming right now, but it's pretty bare. Okay, and so is it, um, it's bare on the interior of the plant, though? Yes. Okay, are there any new leaves coming out sort of near the flowers? A little bit. A little bit of that coming on. Okay. And uh, and is it really tall and really big? Oh, it's a good eight feet tall. Yeah. About uh, six feet wide or more. Okay. And have you done any fertilization on it in recent years? 
No, I haven't. Okay. So one thing that happens with rhododendrons, which is why we talk all the time about making sure that we prune it properly, when you have a really, really big plant like that, what happens is it, it focuses a lot of its energy on creating new growth. And so you end up with these really bare stems on the interior of the plant, um, which is great if it's growing out in the woods as an understory plant, which is where it you know grows naturally. But when we're talking about it in a landscape setting and we have that bare growth and the, and the bare stems on the interior and lower part of the plant, it can sort of make the plant look a little shabby. So this is where something like a rejuvenative pruning, like I was just talking about with Denise, where you go in and you cut out about a third of those branches, that will generate new growth from the interior of the plant and that will help fill that in a little bit. So I would do that and then I would also recommend that you put an acid specific um, fertilizer on that plant uh, rhododendrons like acid soil and so something a product like Hollytone or another acid acid specific granular fertilizer you should do that really probably every about two three years with rhododendrons and azaleas and that will again help encourage some new growth all right go on one more dollar bank instant access and we'll wrap up the hour uh it says another siberian iris question once the flowers are done can you cut back the leaves well, you should cut off the flowering stem. So okay. the flower is done. You don't want it to put energy into producing seeds. So you want to cut off the flower stalk all the way down to the base of the plant. You don't want to cut the leaves off because if you cut the leaves off, you're cutting off your source of photosynthesis uh, and food to feed the plant through the rest of the season and subsequent seasons. So the only time I would recommend cutting leaves off would be if they start to yellow or they get a fungal issue uh, or they start to look a little ratty, then you can go ahead and cut out ones that are not looking so good. But otherwise, you really just want to let them grow through the season. Hey, uh, listen, have a great day. Well, thank you. You too, and happy Memorial Day. All right, somebody going out maybe for the first time today deciding to you know, pay tribute to someone, Memorial Day, little weeding, a little planting, 30 seconds. What should they take with them? They've never done it before. To the to cemetery. A cemetery? Right. Yeah, so... Um, it depends on how much care the cemetery gives the plants. But I mean, I would say if you're out in full sun, that you want to plant really tough, hardy plants. So something like a petunia or a geranium, lantana, um, things that can withstand uh, dry soils and, a, and a, you know, not somebody is not going to be there to water them every day. So Got tough it. Tough plants. Hey, yeah. enjoy the weekend. Well, thank you. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to teach gardeners how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 